This, ladies and gentlemen, is the tale of Grumpy Monkey. Um, there's going to come a point in the story where there's a bright red page on the story where the main character yells, I'm not grumpy. And um, I just, it would mean the world to me if all of you would say that part with me with lots of passion. Uh, just look for bright red and you'll know your part. I, won't, I know you won't disappoint me. But here we go. One wonderful day, chimpanzee woke to discover that uh, nothing was right. The sun was too bright. The sky was too blue. The bananas, the bananas were too sweet. Jim was confused. What's going on? Maybe you're grumpy, suggested Norman from next door. I'm not grumpy, Jim insisted. On his walk, he met Marabou. And uh, apparently this bird here is a Marabou. Jim's grumpy, Norman told Marabou. Why are you grumpy, Jim? asked Marabou. Such a wonderful day. Grumpy? Me? I'm, I'm not grumpy, said Jim. But look at how you're standing, Marabou said. It's true, said Norman. You're, you're all hunched. So Jim loosened up. Then he ran into Lemur. Jim's grumpy, Norman told Lemur. Why are you so grumpy, Jim? asked Lemur. It's such a wonderful day. Grumpy? Me? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not grumpy, said Jim. Your, your eyebrows look grumpy, said Lemur. It's true, said Norman. They're all bunched up. So Jim raised his brow. Then he tripped over Snake. Oh, no, said Norman. That's the last thing you need when you're feeling grumpy. Grumpy? Me? I'm not grumpy, said Jim. Then why that frown, said Snake. I think it's because he tripped over you, Norman whispered to Snake. So Jim put on a smile. Finally, this is my favorite page. <laughs> Jim looked happy, but he didn't feel happy inside. Everyone wanted Jim to enjoy this wonderful day. You should sing with us, said the birds. Jim didn't feel like singing. You should swing with us, said the monkeys. Jim didn't feel like swinging. You should roll with us, said the zebras. Jim didn't feel like rolling. You should stroll with us, said the peacocks. Jim didn't feel like strolling. You should lie in the grass. You should stomp your feet. You should take a bath and make a splash. You should hug someone. You should laugh. You should take a nap. You should eat old meat or some honey. You should jump up and down. You should sit in the sun. You should dance. But Jim didn't feel like doing any of that. Why are you grumpy, Jim? asked the others. It's such a wonderful day. And here's our part. I'm not grumpy, shouted Jim. Well done, as he beat his chest. And he stormed off. Jim felt sorry. A little sorry for shouting at everyone, but mostly sorry for himself. I guess I am grumpy, Jim sighed. And just as he was starting to feel really sad, he came upon Norman. Norman was slumped. His eyebrows were bunched up. And he was frowning. What's the matter? <gasps> Are you grumpy? asked Jim. No, I danced with porcupine, said Norman. Boink. Are you okay, asked Jim. It hurts, but I'll probably feel better soon enough, said Norman. Are you still grumpy? Yes, said Jim, but I'll probably feel better soon enough, too. For now, I, I need to be grumpy. It's a wonderful day to be grumpy, said Norman. Jim agreed, and he already felt a little bit better.
So, uh, silly kid story, or are there levels of profundity that are for the grown-ups? I'll let you be the judge. It's, uh, it's our second week on our journey to become rooted in uh, the renewal that God wants to bring about in our lives and, and in our world. And um, this renewal is found in a deep integration of, of, of our spiritual vitality, but also emotional health, bringing those two things together in our lives. And so... It's impossible for me to become spiritually mature if I remain emotionally immature. So today we got to talk about our feelings. And uh, Grumpy Monkey, he was uh, he was stalled in his his life journey until he finally admitted what was happening under the surface, until he finally got honest. And uh, you and I, we're going to have the emotional maturity of toddlers until we learn to in- integrate our spirituality with our emotions, with our feelings. So we, we need to talk about two things today. Um, feelings, first of all, because um, we were created in the image of a God who feels, feels very deeply. And um, spirituality, um, because we're going to learn to bring our emotions um, to integrate that with our spirituality. So uh, feelings and then spirituality. The first thing is that um, our God feels. Um, scripture reveals God as an emotional being who feels uh, because God's a person. And, and you're not a person un- unless you feel. Uh, in all the sci-fi movies and things like that, like um, if, you know, if you're Spock or a robot or whatever, like the, the test of your humanity is if you can feel things. Um, and God's a, God is a person. God is a, God is a person, and so God feels. And uh, so, so Scripture reveals God as this emotional being. Uh, here's just a sample of, 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 of ways that we see that. Um, God saw that it was good. God saw that it was good, very good. So in other words, God is, God's delighting in his creation. He, he's, he's feeling it. He's just like, this is great, and he's enjoying it. Um, God regretted that he made human beings on the earth. His heart was deeply troubled. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. A lot of people trip up on that one. Jealousy? Seriously? Yeah. For a long time, I've kept silent. I've been quiet. I've held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp. I pant. And uh, let's see here. The, uh, oh, there's another one. Okay. Uh, okay, so then Jesus comes, uh, God, God become human, Jesus shows up to rescue us, to redeem us, and guess what? When God puts on uh, a human life, God is feeling. Uh, Jesus, we read, began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And then at that time, Jesus full of joy through the Holy Spirit. So our God feels the entire biblical story shows God as this, as this emotional being. And our creation story tells us um, God created humans. He created them. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So when, when we feel our feelings we're reflecting the image of our creator. We, we, we reflect the image of our creator in so many ways, but if God is this emotional being, then we are not fully reflecting God until we are 
um, actually showing those feelings, putting those things on display. And when we don't feel our feelings, when we deny that part of ourselves, when we push that part down, we're denying our humanity. We're denying what it means to reflect God's character. Um, there's probably a lot of feelings that we don't feel uh, the need to push down. There's, there's a lot of feelings that we, we certainly enjoy, but this, this probably happens more often than not with our difficult feelings. Um, anger, sadness, uh, fear, uh, shame. But from now on, um, I'd like us, when we talk about them, to describe them as difficult feelings. Sometimes these get uh, uh, couched in terms of positive versus negative feelings. Um, and when you describe these feelings as negative, the message we're sending ourselves and other people is that these feelings are bad. And they're not bad. Um, it's, it's part of the full spectrum of what it means to be a human being. Negative makes us think that they're bad. They're not negative. They're not bad. It's, it's better to, to describe them as difficult. Maybe it's, it's more difficult for us to, when these things surface or to feel them out. But they're not bad. might be harder, but they're difficult. Uh, the, problem, the problem, though, is that many of us, when it comes to difficult feelings, we've received messages that those difficult feelings are bad or that they're unreliable. Um, we can get that, that message from our family of origin, uh, from our culture. Um, in Sarah's family, she received the message that her feelings were bad. It was, it was too much. She got that message reinforced again and again, and she'd get penalized for being honest about how she was doing. And after a while, you just go, all right, well, I, I guess I shut this part down. I guess this is bad. I guess I can't bring this stuff to the surface. I deal on my own. I don't know. Um, we can get this message in church circles. Um, more difficult feelings like anxiety or anger, they get you labeled as a person who lacks faith in God. Um, sometimes the way a sermon can come across or the response that you can get by, by showing more difficult feelings is, well, if, if you really trusted God, you know, you, you wouldn't feel that way if you really trusted God. Um, we can get this message from ourselves. Um, we, we, maybe we've had a, a bad experience when it comes to a particular emotion, and we, we no longer trust ourselves to feel that emotion. We didn't like what we did in that moment. We didn't like what we said, how we came across. And so we made a personal vow, I'm never going to give full vent to that difficult feeling again because I don't like what happened there. We, maybe we want to be in control. Maybe that emotion makes us feel out of control. Whatever the case, we, maybe we have decided, I'm going to bury that feeling down deep. I'm not going to let that thing surface or fully vent. Um, but it's kind of like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. Um, I don't know if like if, as kids at the, at the uh, like, uh, like a, a swimming pool or uh, at the beach or whatever, if you ever played the game of like trying to like be on top of the beach ball and like count like the, who could get the record for staying on top of it as long as possible. Like if you got more than like five seconds, you're just like, wow, amazing balance, incredible. Um, but the, the, the thing is, though, it's, it's fun, but uh, you do look kind of ridiculous uh, trying to keep the beach ball underwater. Because um, no matter how, you, how hard you try, this thing has got to resurface. And um, it's, it's, the same, it's the same with our difficult emotions. To be human is to feel a wide range of emotions, Emotions that we need that need to surface, and 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 each of these emotions uh, emotions they have different um, nuances and varieties. Um, anger can look like fury, hostility, irritability, annoyance. Sadness can look like grief or self pity or despair or dejection or loneliness. Uh, fear can look like anxiety or being edgy or nervous or full of fright or apprehension. Enjoyment can feel like relief or contentment, or delight, or thrill, or euphoria. 
Um, love can look like acceptance or trust or devotion or adoration. Surprise can look like shock or amazement or wonder. Disgust can look like contempt or scorn or aversion or, or a distaste or a revulsion. Um, shame can look like remorse or humiliation or embarrassment. If, if these are all different um, beach balls, um, which, which ones of these, as you think, think back on the last week, which ones of these have you allowed to surface and which ones have you pushed down? And uh, don't worry, I'm not asking you to share an example, but just, just when it comes to that spectrum, um, which ones have, have you allowed to surface and which ones were you like, mm-mm, not going to happen for whatever reason? Um, I'd, I'd like us to process this a bit with uh, two or three of our neighbors um, along the lines of the messages that you've received about some of these feelings. Maybe as we read that list, there were certain ones that jumped out at you especially when it comes to uh, your family of origin or your culture, when it comes to um, even church circles, messages you've received around some of these feelings, or even just messages we've given to ourselves, vows we've taken around certain, certain ones of these, these feelings. What, what messages have you received around one of these feelings? How do we now reintegrate our feelings with our spirituality. There's a, there's a great book called The Cry of the Soul, and this is what Allender and Longman have to say. Um, I'm sure different parts will jump out at you. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They're the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or, or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control of our inner world. We're frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness. In neglecting our intense emotions, we're false to ourselves, and we lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. Really great book. I highly recommend it. But living in reality, you know, having a, a, a real encounter with God, experiencing deep change, these, these are good things. But, man, that last part, brutal honesty, uh, vulnerability before God, bringing our emotions into our spirituality, yikes. Um, that, that, that might scare some of us, depending on our background when it comes to uh, some of these more difficult emotions and, and what, what our, our experience has been with that. Um, but as, as Christ followers... We're not just walking into the unknown um, with all, all by ourselves. We actually have, have someone who has pioneered the way for us uh, through all of this. It's Jesus himself. In, in Jesus, God has incarnated himself into the human situation. And, and that word incarnation, I know it's a big one, but um, it should remind you of Mexican food whenever you hear incarnation. Um, because if you order a, a burrito con carne... What, if you order something con carne, what does con carne mean? With meat. So the incarnation, Jesus is God with meat. Jesus is God con carne, God with skin and bones. Um, Jesus <laughs> is the, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I did too. And now you're hungry. Um, we have some great snacks over here, so you're welcome. Um, but Jesus is the creator God incarnated among us, showing us how to live a fully human life for all the ways that maybe our human like. Mr. Held Back, he's showing us the fullest, truest expression of what human life looks like. 
Um, lots of people had different titles that they placed on Jesus uh, throughout his life. Um, Messiah, Lord, teacher. But um, Jesus himself had a title that he used more than any other, the Son of Man. That was more than any other title Jesus gave for himself. That's, that's what the one that he loved to call himself the most. Um, the title comes from the book of Daniel. And the best way to understand the Son of Man is like the human one. Um, Jesus is saying, I am the true human among you. Despite anything else that would dehumanize you, despite any other systems or kingdoms or ways out there that would, would break all that apart, I'm, I'm here to be the human one. I want to lead you into the healing and the full recovery of, of your humanity, which requires this deep integration of our spirituality and also our emotions, even the difficult ones. And uh, so how, how Jesus models for us uh, this, uh, in, in Mark's gospel, we read, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. We're going to go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. How many of us, uh, if, if we asked you today, like, why are you here? What's your purpose? What's, what's your deal? You could say with that kind of confidence, this is why I've come. This is why I'm here. I don't know about you, but I, I, I need some time with that one. But Jesus um, without any hesitation, even with other people putting other demands and questions on him, he's like, no, this is where I am. This is what I'm supposed to be here. He has like just total clarity on this. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great to live your life that way? To go, yeah, this is, this is why I'm here. Because if you know your why, then, then you know how to filter out all of the other daily what's that come up um, all the time. If you know your why, then it's so much easier to say yes or no to different what's that come up because you know, does this or does this not line up with my why? And we don't get so scattered and we don't give ourselves to too many things. We don't say yes to too many things. We say yes to the right thing. Jesus had so many other people around him who had other what's that they wanted to slap on him and say, no, Jesus, this is who you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to be spending your time. This is what you're supposed to be all about. They thought, this is who you are. This is where you're supposed to be. And Jesus was either going to live his life as a people pleaser, just being drawn back and forth and scattered um, based on what other people wanted of him, or he was who his father said he was, disappointing a whole lot of people on a regular basis to be who his father said he was. And thank God, uh, Jesus was true to who he actually was, and he was okay with letting people down. How, though, was Jesus able to resist that, that pressure of, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. You need to be over here. Come on. You're, you're, you're late. This isn't where you're supposed to be. How, how was Jesus able to say, this is why I'm here, with just total confidence? Because here in Mark and in other places in the Gospels, the people who watched Jesus really closely and recorded his life, they wanted us to know that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. They said this was, this was like his thing. This happened all the time. That moment where we woke up, where's Jesus? They were like, when we followed him, that happened all the time. He was just always getting away. If, if, if we're going to be the men and women that God's created us to be, our true selves in Christ, if we're, if we're going to be true to that, then we also have to have times imitating Jesus where we get alone, 
with the Father, where we say, uh, Father, I, uh, man, a lot of people are slapping different what's on me. I even have some, want, some what's, and you got you to gotta remind me of my why, and you got to remind me who I am in you. Solitude was one of the most countercultural things that Jesus could have possibly done in his life, and solitude is one of the most countercultural things that, that you and I could do, to, to put our phones away to be available to nobody except God? Who does that? This is, this is so countercultural, but it's, it's the only way that you and I are going to know our why because we're, we're surrounded by so many other voices trying to get our attention, trying to tell us who we are and what we should be doing. But when we're alone with our Father, when, when our phone is put away, when we are available to nobody else except God, um, as, as, as good as that might sound to follow Jesus in that, that also can be terrifying. I don't know if you've ever tried this. I mean, Liz opened up space even just earlier for us in the service to just be quiet with, with God, and maybe it was a relief for you to know that there was like a timer. Okay, just 60 seconds of, of just being alone with God. But um, man, I don't know about you, but as, as I have tried this, I'm, I'm good with it for about 16 seconds or something. And then after a while, just the stuff that starts to surface, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is why I don't do solitude because of all the stuff that starts to, to creep up. You know, I didn't want to deal with this. I didn't want to think about this. I didn't want to feel that. I didn't want, ah. And so that's why we distract ourselves. That's why we never stop. We don't want the beach ball to surface because we don't, we don't like what we find. Um, that's why so few, few people do this. We're, we're embarrassed about what will surface. Other people have not accepted our difficult emotions, and, and we ourselves haven't accepted our difficult emotions. And so we, we bring that baggage into our relationship with the Father, and we just go, I, I couldn't possibly do that with the Father. Maybe some other people who don't deal with these things and don't have those issues, sure, they could have solitude. That sounds good for them, but me, no, I got to keep busy. I got to keep moving. I, I got to keep myself distracted. I cannot deal with that thing. No way. And I think behind all this, I think the nagging question for, for all of us is, am, am I safe in the presence of the Father? Am I, am I really safe? Because uh, there's lots of other places I have not been safe to do what Jesus is doing here. Can, can I really bring like my, my full unfiltered self before God? Or can I only bring the parts that I'm proud of, the parts where I feel like I'm nailing it? So Jesus, Jesus, our pioneer, our, the, the fully human one, he, he shows us that we're safe to be our whole selves with the Father. Um, this, is, this is what we see, um, Jesus with the Father. Jesus withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And then he, the author of Hebrews tells us this, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus, the fully human one, shows us that in his worst, darkest with the Father about what was happening inside of him and modeling for us that we can do the same thing. These, these fervent cries and tears. Jesus is saying, Father, I, I, don't, I know what my why is, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to step into this, 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 this moment that you have for me. I don't, I don't want it. 
Father, I'm so, I'm so scared. Father, I'm even having like a psychosomatic reaction in my body because of, of my fear. Jesus is sweating face down. Jesus, though, he, he feels no need to, to put on a happy face or to filter out the things that would be embarrassing or difficult. He, he brings his whole self to these times with his father because he knew he was safe with his father. And we are too. Other, other people have rejected our difficult emotions. Maybe even in church circles, we've experienced rejection when it comes to our difficult emotions. Maybe we have rejected our difficult emotions. But our Father says in so many different ways, I want you to bring your whole self to me. Don't filter it. Don't leave things out. Don't hide. The, the, the safety of our Father's presence is, is going to be the place where we can be put back together. All the places that we feel scattered and wiped out and where we've been hiding parts of who we are, our, our spirituality and our emotions can be reintegrated in a space where we feel completely safe to not filter ourselves. Let me just, let me just ask you, um, how, how badly do you want to experience a place where you can be safe to be your whole self? I think that just sounds, yes, it sounds scary, but it also sounds so good. How badly do you want to be put back together? Jesus made this habit of withdrawing to lonely places to be with his father, and I, I feel like he's running to those times because it was the one place where he knew, I'm fully accepted, I'm fully known. All these other places, I, I experience rejection and pressure of all sorts to be somebody who I'm not, to put on a, a, put on a face or an, an agenda that is not line up with who I am. So many places where if I was the real me, people wouldn't, wouldn't accept it or receive it. This is the one place where I can do that. I feel like Jesus is running to those times. And I, I feel like Jesus even wants us to, 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 to get a new understanding of prayer to get a new understanding of solitude, if, it's, if it feels boring or if it feels regimented or if it feels like we can't fully be who we are, well, of course we don't pray. Of course we don't get time with solitude. Who wants that? If Jesus, though, is running to these times, maybe he knows something that we don't. Maybe he has something for us that we haven't stepped into yet that is so good that he's just like, I'm trying to model this for you because you need this so badly. This is the way to get your humanity back. What if we came to know what Jesus experienced about solitude? What if we knew what he knew? This week, when you try this, I promise you, it'll be awkward. It will. Maybe, maybe in your times with God, whenever and however often it happens, um, maybe you're used to maybe reading some scripture or journaling some thoughts or doing some things that kind of feel spiritual. You can, you can still do that. But I want, I want you to try something different. Um, start it off by, first of all, just not doing anything. Don't do anything. Just be with the Father. Just see what that's like. Maybe 30 seconds is all you can do. And you're just like, whew, this is new, this is hard. Just try 30 seconds, and that would be a huge step forward. Maybe next time, 45 seconds. Maybe after that, a minute 15 but just allow yourself a whole minute of just allowing your difficult emotions to surface in the presence of your Father and just try it out and just go, okay, 
I'm uh, not going to do the stuff that feels like I'm just in control and that the, 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 this regimented time. I'm also just going to let the messy stuff surface. And Jesus, I'm trusting you that this space is actually what you say it is. Just let it surface. Don't try to solve the difficult emotions that surface. Don't feel the need to apologize for them or explain them. When you pray, start it, start it off by don't do anything. Just be with your father. Um, those of us who are parents in the room, whether your kids are grown or they're still in the house, um, I, think, I think you would affirm that when it comes to your kids, the times when they just want to be with you, you don't come away from that time where they just like sat in your lap while you watched a show or you played with trucks on the ground. You, you don't come away from that time being like, no, oh, that wasn't very productive. That was the best thing in the world that your kid just wanted to be with you, just be who they are. And that's just like a small taste of the Father's heart. And, and I'd like us to bring that into our times of solitude, to just trust, hey, the way I feel about my kids, um, maybe that's just a small piece of what God wants, where he's just like, yeah, just hang out with me. I don't have an agenda for you. I don't have a list. I just love that you want to be with me, even with the mess, even with the stuff that's under the surface. Let the, let the beach ball to the surface. Because um, here's the thing about a beach ball. We have doubt here. Here's the thing about a beach ball. Here it comes. And we got anger here. And we've got anxiety over here. A little anxiety as it comes down. Yeah, send it around a little bit. Send it around to the other side, back and forth. So we got doubt flying around. We got anxiety flying around. We got some fear. We got some grief. We got all kinds of stuff. We got all kinds of stuff. It'd be, it'd be awkward if we tried to keep this kind of stuff under the surface. People are having anxiety attacks right now as a beach ball is flying at their face. But it's good. It's good. <laughs> Bump set spiked, says Don. All right, send it back to me. Send it back to me. If, if, if you have one near you. Otherwise, just leave it. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. You can leave those there. All right. Oh, perfect. Anger. This is the one I need for my own life. Um, your father can handle your difficult emotions. Letting it surface doesn't have to be the scariest thing in the world. He actually wants to have a back and forth with you about these things in prayer. Just to go, okay, God, here's a real thing. Letting it surface. But as we do, you start to figure out, like, man, this isn't as heavy as I thought. This, this actually, uh, I don't have to hide it. And we can, I can send it back and forth with my father. And I, I'm, I'm feeling lighter. I'm feeling freer versus that awkwardness of trying to keep this thing under the surface. Your father wants to have a back and forth with you about whatever comes to the surface. See in those times of prayer what your father has to say about the thing. Uh, see what he wants to say about what's going on in your life. He might, he might clue you into some things and go, yeah, I, I, I get why you're feeling angry. Yeah, let's talk about that thing, that difficult conversation or that snide remark that that person made or that, that, that dream that hasn't been realized or that thing that's been so frustrating for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's, uh, makes sense that you're anxious right now. There's a lot of unknowns in the future. Yeah, let's talk about those things that you're anxious about. List it. Tell me. What's going on? What are you afraid of? What are you scared about? What are you worried about? Tell me. I want to know. I want to know. Tell me, about, tell me about your doubts. Yeah. Jesus himself, while he was with us, on the cross, he has a doubt. He has a question. Father, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Jesus himself could bring these doubts and questions to the surface. And you just go, God, I, all right, let's, let's have a back and forth. 
The Father could show himself to you and I to be the safest person in the world to let this stuff surface with. Suddenly when things come to the surface, you can't wait to put away your phone and get away from other people and just be with your Father. You and I start to become like Jesus where we're running to be alone with our Father because it's the one place where we found real acceptance. It's the one place where our identity and worth gets affirmed with, with, with no agenda, with no strings attached, just the most loving place in the world to just be ourselves. You don't have to hide anything from your father. In these places, what could happen is that we could want to let these things surface in, in the presence of our father because we know this is a place where I'm, I'm completely accepted completely known. And for all the ways that I've been wounded and scattered, my father in these times, he puts me together a little bit each time. Now, we've all got some unique what's that we're going to have to sort through if we're actually going to try out this whole solitude thing. You know, if you're a single parent, if you have young children, if you've got a demanding job, if you've got a schedule that changes from week to week, yeah, the, there's, there's some specific things that how, how am I actually going to do this that, that we got to work out. That's why, though, um, these short-term community groups are so important because as a group, we can help each other to sort out the how. We can go, hey, I'm trying to do the, the solitude thing, but I need some strategic people in my life to maybe give me some tips, give me some ideas. We, we can help each other with that. But also, not just with the Father, authentic Christian community can be a place where other people show us that it's safe to bring our whole selves. And... Um, my friend Chase, uh, I wanted to invite Chase up here. He's got a story to tell about how community has helped him to, uh, to heal when it comes to, uh, to shame. So uh, yeah, let's, let's welcome Chase. So thanks, man. Yeah, this is kind of funny listening to Andy's sermon because he was very, like, camping out on, like, the solitude and, like, interacting with the Father. Uh, and I was like, wow, this is really funny that we kind of taught on similar things. I had the opportunity to talk earlier this week um, to a group of students at UC Berkeley in the Athletes in Action group, which is a Christian sports ministry. Um, and I totally kind of talked about it from a very different perspective, which is like the value of community. And so anyways, I think it, it, it's going to tie together nicely. Um, but I'm going to condense maybe a 25-minute talk into like four minutes. So bear with me. Um, I think uh, as we are maybe presented with Christianity in the U.S., like oftentimes the kind of initial presentation is about this opportunity to have a personal relationship with God, um, which is amazing if you have one and, and getting to know the Father and receiving His, his love. Um, but oftentimes it's kind of, I think uh, the U.S. in particular, like even just in the way we live our lives, like if you're fortunate enough to have a driveway or a garage, you just kind of park your car, go in your house, and it's very easy to kind of live your life by yourself uh, to the extent that you want to. Um, and <clears throat> I think as I have studied scripture and just walked with the Lord now for many years, uh, I really have seen in scripture that it's much more meant to be a community thing. And I think that starts in uh, Genesis 1, I think it's 126. Um, it says, uh, it's God talking, he says, let us make man in our image, which is kind of a shocking statement because um, 
that text is from uh, originally a, a Jewish sacred text, uh, and they're monotheistic, so they believe in one God. And so here God is saying, let us. And so it's kind of the first hint of the Trinity in the Bible. And uh, as you kind of walk through Scripture, um, you know, it's this mystery is unfolded that you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one being three persons, and they're all in relationship with each other. And so we're created, men and women are created in the image of God. And so it's very interesting that, you know, it's like God, we are created to be in community the way that God is in community in the Trinity. Um, and so I became a believer uh, right before high school, um, but had, you know, a couple of years where it was really just kind of me studying scripture, trying to follow God. And it was really a big emotional roller coaster because when you're a 14, 15, 16-year-old boy, like it's just life is just, you know, unstable anyways. Um, and so I felt like, you know, if I felt or perceived obedience to the Lord, if I was doing well, quote-unquote, whatever my standard was, then I felt like, you know, kind of God loved me more, even though I knew that that wasn't true. But it's just my feelings were God loves me if I'm doing well, and he's upset with me, he's disappointed with me, or ashamed of me if I'm not doing well. And as I moved towards the end of high school and finally uh, got connected with some other strong believers and had a little bit more authentic or just like intentional vulnerability with them, and especially in college, a couple of guys that I connected with, the Lord really just um, kind of, number one, changed my, my perspective of what Christianity is. It's, it, it is, you, we do have those times of solitude and they're regular, but... Um, like, if you look at the New Testament, I forget how many, there's like 26, 27 books, something like that. Like about, I don't know, maybe 20 of the books are addressed to a group of people, you know, to the church at Thessalonica or to the Corinthians or to, you know, just dispersed believers, to the church at Rome. And so we really are meant to be kind of in community, uh, in relationship, on mission together. And then, you know, we're kind of doing that most of the time, and then we check out to have solitude, get refreshed, and then we come back together. Um, and specifically relating to how the Lord has used community to free me from shame, we talked about uh, the verse in James a couple weeks ago, uh, James 5, where it says, confess your sins to, another, to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. And I found that getting connected, uh, for me in my life, it was with a couple other guys, and just being vulnerable um, to confess sin, uh, even if, you know, it was scary or maybe I was ashamed of, you know, whatever it was. Um, you know, I think especially when I was in high school and then even in college, it's like you think that, like, you're the only person dealing with, like, X, Y, Z, and then it's like you get together with other people and it's like, yeah, everybody's struggling with that. And so it's really freeing to be vulnerable, to share that, to pray for one another, because there really is healing that comes in your life. Um, and just one little side note about just kind of that process of those authentic relationships. Like, we also were encouraged by a friend to kind of balance that maybe 50-50 with celebrating stuff that the Lord's doing in your life. Because I think it's sometimes easy to get together and just be like, man, we still suck. Like, I didn't follow Jesus that well this week. Instead of being like, you know, actually, here's like one or two, th really three cool things that happen or things that I see the Lord doing. Um, and, and here's, you know, one or two or three things that, that I'm failing at and I'm not doing well. So, but it's been a huge blessing for me uh, just to kind of come from that individual, individualistic Christianity to have much more of a community mindset, uh, walking with other people and, and seeing how the Lord's kind of 
freed me from shame in that way.